Hi, and welcome to the Young Family Small Business Podcast, the show that deep dives into conversations with experts in small business, raising a young family, or are shining examples of mastery in both. My name is Ben Walker, and I'm the founder of Inspire, Life-Changing Accountants, and the host of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Inspire, Life-Changing Accountants. We've worked with thousands of business owners since we started in 2013, and we're best known for saving our client base a total of $17 million in tax and counting. For every dollar of tax we proactively save a small business, Inspire donates a day worth of access to life-changing food, water, health, or sanitation services to a family in need. If you're interested in speaking with an accountant to see how we could help your business, head to inspire.business forward slash chat. My next guest on the show is Sammy Yeager. Uh, Sammy is the founder of Fuel Collective and co-host of the Date Forever podcast. She's borderline obsessed with the way that the quality of our relationships impacts the quality of our lives. Sammy uses her unique blend of knowledge on businesses, relationships, and contribution to work towards creating a better world. Sammy's a huge advocate of the UN Global Goals and knows that to make true global progress starts with the quality of our relationship. Sammy married the love of her life, Nathan, back in 2012 at just 23 years old. It's almost a decade later and they're still thriving. Uh, they're, they're also busy empowering other couples to do the same by sharing what they've learned alongside experts' insights through their business fuel collective. I got some awesome tips out of this. Uh, keep an ear out for the eight tank check, the two by two by two, uh, what Sammy learned teaching English in Vietnam, and uh, a little tip we'll add in the show notes about EOS, or Entrepreneurial Operating System, uh, which we love here at Inspire. So thanks, Sammy. Really love the the, uh, the chat with you and uh, enjoy to our listeners. Thanks so much, Sammy. We've been really looking forward to having you on the podcast um, for actually, yeah, since, since I sort of reached out to you. I think you've got a lot of value to add to our audience, um, but thanks for joining me today. Oh, Ben, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm stoked to be here to have this conversation. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, the first question we always kick off with is tell us a bit about your family. Yeah. So my family is tiny. My immediate family is myself and my beautiful husband, Nathan, and we live in New South Wales, um, inner West Sydney. And then my wider, still tiny family, uh, my mum and my grandparents and my brother are in South Australia. My brother just got engaged actually. So I'm going to get a sister. And then on, on my husband's side, I've got, uh, yeah, I've, I'm very lucky. I've still got grandparents on that side as well. Nate's mum and dad, three siblings, they're all married, and a, oh. a couple of nieces and nephews. How good. There you go. Yeah. And, um, and tell me about some of the things you and Nathan like to do together. So we got together in 2007. So we've been together a little over 14 years now. And what we like to do together has evolved as we've evolved. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we met um, at high school, but didn't start dating until a couple of years out of school. And we went through our very poor student uni years together as um, housemates. And then we fell in love accidentally. Yeah. So we, some of the things that we really love to do are experiential. So we both really love traveling. I've been lucky enough to go to more than 30 countries now. And I think I've done about oh, maybe 15 or so of those with Nate. Yeah, so travel is a really big one uh, outside of pandemic uh, times. We, we normally jump on a plane a couple of times a year. Um, and then we're big on going to live music um, festivals and events, those kinds of things that we really, really love to do. 
both big foodies, but we also both really like to cook. So we get to kind of splurge on some good food, but then kind of uh, take it a little bit budget by doing it ourselves. Yeah, how good. And I've seen some of the results of that on um, on Facebook. So it looks yeah. tasty. Yeah, food is, yeah, I, I'll talk about food all day if you want to go there, Ben. <laughs> uh, awesome. Um, and then um, I guess this is kind of, I feel like this is sort of your expertise that we're going to find out a little bit more as, as the podcast goes through. But tell us a bit about the rhythms that you and Nathan have to maintain a, a healthy relationship. Yeah, so we've kind of got six key ingredients that help us keep a healthy, happy, thriving relationship. And they've evolved over time, but they've definitely kind of been the staples. So the first one starts at an annual level where every year, generally in November towards the end of like the season, um, so just before summer kicks in, we do an annual game plan day um, where we dig into what is our priorities for the next 365 days. And we kind of map out like when are the long weekends? When do we want to take vacations? Like have we got any big milestone like weddings or events or things that are outside of our control? Get them in the diary first. Um, and then we figure out like what uh, what are the big priorities? Like, is this year about traveling? Is it about saving? Is it about building something? Is it about one of us like really investing in development of a skill or a, a learning something or going for a new promotion or, or, or seeking something more in our career or business? Um, but we do, yeah, a pretty intensive um, day, sometimes two days to just check in on like, where are we at for our big vision of our life? And what's the next 12 months about to help us achieve that? So that's our annual game plan, which is actually coming up in a, a couple of weeks. So kind of getting excited. Not far away. So yeah, so for the, that um, for that process last year or well, this year, we did we set 21 goals for 2021. And then we've yeah, kind of spent all year working, working away at them. So then at a at a quarterly level, we, each season at the change of season, sort of like end of weekend at that change of season, we just check in on like how are those 21 goals for 2021 or whatever it might be going and what is the priority for the next kind of 90 days. We found in years gone past, this kind of evolved because when we moved from South Australia to New South Wales, we had probably a year, maybe maybe two, where we just were bombarded with visitors and social events that all kind of happened in this kind of gridlock of window. And we were just burning ourselves out trying to maintain our normal lives of getting ourselves to work with clean clothes and food in the fridge for the week. And But our weekends were back, like packed back to back to back. And I reckon we burnt ourselves out and we went, we need a better way. Like we need a better way to do this because this cannot keep happening. Um, yeah. So we found that we check in kind of every 90 days to do this high level look at like what's coming up in the next 90 days. Like, is there anything that we need to prepare for now that we, or that's maybe slipped under the radar that we need to pull up the agenda, whether or not it's like on finance or on time, or if one of us is traveling for work, any of those kinds of things. And then at a monthly level, we generally just do a quick tank check. So I'm going to talk about that in a sec, but we've got this concept of the eight different fuel tanks that kind of cover the whole area of our our lives, the the fuel tanks that make up our life. So we do a quick, I guess, temperature check on how full those various tanks are. And then every month. Yeah. Yeah. We do that monthly and it's super quick. We normally do it over like go out for brunch or something like that. Um, We can do it while we're walking the dog because we've been doing it for so long now. Like it's just, it's a pretty organic kind of conversation. It didn't start out like that. It's definitely evolved over time, but yeah, it's definitely about getting us back on the same page 
especially if one of us is like struggling with one of those areas of life. Like if something's been like, oh, that's feeling really hard and heavy and it's been consistently like that, it kind of allows us to bring it to the to the top of the surface and an awareness more often. So it doesn't get so depleted before the alarm bells start going off. It's kind of like an early detection opportunity. Yeah, great. And uh, I think we'll find out more. I've got so many questions on that, but um, cool. That's that's exciting. Yeah. So that's our first kind of three. And then number four is our two by two by two date night. So we kind of do this every other week. So uh, the way that Nathan and I do this is that um, in the first half of the month, uh, he'll take responsibility for organizing a date. And then in the back half of the month, I take responsibility for organizing a date. So it's not on a fix, like it's not every second Friday or anything like that. It's just sometime in the first half of the month, sometime in the second half of the month. Mm. Um, And then that way we both get the opportunity to be the host and also the guest. So we found that works really well for us. Probably been doing it for a few years now, but we used to just like, I'm the organized one. I'm the calendar looking one. You can tell, (laughs) like I like a system. Yeah. Even though my husband's an engineer, like he should be thriving on the systems and the processes and the step by steps. Even in your background, I can see that the the books are ordered in color. It's <laughs> methodical. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I used to find that I was the one who was booking the concert tickets, finding out about that cool event or restaurant or yeah, organizing the weekend away or whatever it was. Like I was always the activator and the instigator to to creating those experiences for for us and for our relationship, that element of fun and play and adventure, which is so important. But yeah, a few years ago, it kind of got to like, well, Nathan, when was the last time you took me on a date? I organize these things for us all the time. We need to find a better way to sort of divide and conquer so that we both get the opportunity to inhale and exhale. And I think creating that framework or that, yeah, I guess that rule for our relationship has given Nate so much more empowerment to just like look in the diary and book things. And it's, it's kind of nice. It's a bit dorky, but like, I love seeing a calendar invite to date night. And then we normally do a few little descriptor secret words that kind of might allude to what it is, but not necessarily give it away. So it's kind of nice. So they are surprised as well, most of them? Yeah, sometimes they are. Sometimes they're not. Like when it's a band or a, a gig that um, one of us is likely to go, oh my God, we've got to get tickets to that. Someone will go, well, I've already got them. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes it is is surprise. Yeah. So this two by two by two thing, we picked up from a Reddit thread, like this dark, obscure place of the internet. And the original concept was like, yeah, two dates a month um, and every two months go for a week uh, weekend away. And then every two years go for a, a holiday or a vacation together. Um, so we kind of adapted it to make it our own. But yeah, then the second two is to go for a weekend away. We have struggled big time with this one this year because we haven't been able to go anywhere. And then it's felt like, oh, we're going to go for a weekend away. What, in our neighborhood, like within our 5K? Like that feels really silly. So we've struggled with that one this year. Um, and same for this, the third two of going for a trip away. So we've got some in the bank that we, I think we need to use up. But yeah, the the premise is making conscious time for play and fun and romance in our relationship. And then number five uh, is at a like weekly level. So we call this our happy hour. This has been adapted from like a few books of relationship coach and therapists, some Mm -hmm. guests that we had on our podcast. But basically we've got like a 10 um, question kind of agenda that we run through on a Sunday night. And it's both like practical and tactical of like, 
Who's doing the food shopping this week? How's the money at? Are we enjoying the sex that we're having? Like what's going on there? But then there's also like, how connected do you feel to me this week? Like, how was your week? Was it a good one? Was it a bad one? And one of the most poignant questions, which was really uncomfortable in the beginning is, is there anything you'd like me to apologize for? Mm, That's huge. Hey. Yeah. And it's, it was uncomfortable in the beginning because it was like, I'm about to open myself to some feedback here that I might not be ready to receive, but it's, it's such a gift. And I would encourage all couples to kind of implement that. Like, is there anything you'd like me to apologize for? Because I find that sometimes in the heat of the moment, it wasn't a big thing. And then you've had some time to like ruminate on it and you're like, oh, well, it wasn't a big thing. So I don't feel like I can bring it up, but also it's still bothering me days later. So you kind of get stuck in that, I guess, that chatter loop in your own head. And when they're small things, they can layer on top of one another. So one of the great examples that's come out of this is I had been very playfully teasing Nath about something that he did. And I thought it was all in jest and fun. And he raised it one Sunday night and he was like, look, something I would like you to apologize for is you teasing me about this thing. And of course, now that I know he's upset about it, I'm not going to share it with you. But yeah, I, I never would have known. I would have gone on forever thinking that it was this fun, playful inside joke that he was totally taking on the chin. And each time I was making that joke, it was cutting a little deeper. So yeah, what can I apologize for? But yeah, uh, uh, that happy hour. And then we just get organized for the week. Like what's the priority? Is there anything that's going on um, that's out of the ordinary? Like if we got major to-dos, is someone working late? Is someone working early? Have we got events that we're attending or hosting or we have a business together. So is there stuff going on there that we really need to prioritize? And then at a daily level, um, number six, we practice an attitude of gratitude. So as we're getting ready for bed, we do a conversation about what are you most grateful for today? What are the two or three things that, yeah, you want to be appreciative for? And it's, I find that this is such a great way to get a good sense of what kind of day or where where Nate's headspace is at. Because you find sometimes it's really easy to, you're flush with gratitude, grateful for everything, grateful for the bed you're about to get into, the fact that you had toothpaste, that you had a clean glass of water, that you had some delicious food, or like it can be like so easy to come up with. And then other days it's a struggle where you're just like, oh, everything just feels hard and heavy and I don't feel very appreciative or grateful for anything. Mm. But yeah, the trick is to, to then ask like, well, why are you grateful for that thing? and really marinate in the appreciation yeah no that is that is so good and um yeah my, my next question might uh give give the audience some context to why i i feel like that that's it's awesome and i'm not not saying this in a negative way but that is so organized and and a proactive way to approach your relationship yeah that, that's that's fantastic but um can you talk us through your career journey up until starting your business yeah so this might help connect the dots of why it's so organized. (laughs) So I I left high school with not not a solid plan by any means. I actually worked in the fitness industry for a little while. My intention was personal trainers get paid 60, 70 bucks an hour. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to work mornings and nights when I don't have to be at uni or at TAFE. And I'm going to get a far better day uh, hourly rate than my mates who are working retail or at the bar. The thing that screwed me though was that I also wanted to be at the bar on Friday night and not out teaching a boot camp lesson on Saturday morning with all my other 19-year-old friends. 
So I worked in the fitness industry for a little while and then I, um, yeah, I my I guess gap here. And then I had a spanner, uh, thrown in my plans, which turned out to be the shape of my husband mm. because I had a, I landed a, a job on a cruise ship, um, to work in the fitness industry. And it was kind of, um, in the few months before I was due to leave that Nathan and I had made this very clumsy, awkward transition from housemates to in love and like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? We've been friends for such a long time. Like, are we about to mess all of this up? Yeah. So I decided to stay and then I went, okay, well, I'm not going to spend another year or two working in the fitness industry. I, I need this. Is, I'm happy to do that, but I, this is not the long-term plan. And then I ended up um, heading to TAFE for a year for costume and textile design. I thought I wanted to work in the fashion industry. Turns out I did not. But in that year, I got the opportunity to volunteer on a whole heap of um, fashion industry events. And I, a fire was lit inside of me about organizing events mm. and the complexity of project management specifically for events which had an, uh, an engaged audience. So, yeah, then I pivoted my studies and went and did project management specializing in events. Yeah, and did that for a little while. I had a really hard time breaking into the industry. I am in that sweet spot of millennial who entered the workforce right at GFC. Yeah, so I had a really hard time and I I did a few other like very random kind of jobs in that time. I I worked in, um, yeah, hospitality in um, banquets and weddings and hotels. And I did some time in recruitment, working in ad hoc labor hire, trying to get into events through that direction. Yeah. And then I, from there, I spent a a few years working in traditional recruitment for trade. And then I had a, I I was unexpectedly made redundant and this is sucky. It was one day shy of one year. So I was not entitled to anything. And I got showed up to work one day and I did not have a job the next day. And I'd just come back from holidays too. So I had no leave or anything. And I was like early twenties. It was not good. But yeah, so I took the opportunity to head overseas for uh, about three months. Nathan and I had a trip to Europe booked and I kind of just had this weird patch of time where I was like, what am I going to do? Am I going to go and try and get a job and then ask them to give me this time off? Am I going to go and temp? Like, am I just going to burn this time and deal with it in four months and like run all my savings into the ground? Or yeah, so I, um, Nathan and I had the heart to heart of like, hey, when we first got together, I had this big overseas adventure planned for myself by myself. Can I take that kind of adventure now? Yeah. So I ended up going to Vietnam for a couple of months and teaching English as a second language, which was an incredible experience. And it probably shaped a lot of what has then happened or what the decisions that I've made um, in my life kind of moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. So when I got home, so I did the sort of three months in Vietnam, did a lot of soul searching, did a lot of probably growing as an individual young person. And then Nathan and I went on the planned Europe trip. And then I eventually got back to Adelaide and I'd been away from Australia for like maybe five months or so. And not just Australia, but like my hometown. We got back there and I was like, I just don't see my life here anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. I definitely don't want to be working in recruitment. That was definitely not the plan. I don't want to go and get another job in recruitment. Like I need to get into the events industry at a much larger scale. And I just can't see that happening in Adelaide. So we kind of had the conversation and Nathan had been in his career in his, his, he'd gone from 
his graduate placement, he got an offering, he stayed at the same place, he'd been employed in that same field for sort of like five years already um, while I was still like trying to get in the door. Yeah, but we just had the conversation of like, all right, have a couple more cracks here in Adelaide. If it doesn't work out, we'll move. We'll we'll just, we'll have a, we'll open the floodgates to a bigger picture. So we did that and I came second for like two or three more roles and I was like, that's it. I'm out. Where are we going? Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane? And then we just decided that whoever got a job first, wherever they got a job first, that's what we'd do. So I landed a job in an events um, and marketing agency in Sydney and I moved, made the move first. And I was here maybe like six months before Nath followed. So then we kind of did the long distance thing for a little bit. Yeah. And then I worked in event management um, in agency and then in-house for a training and uh, education development company. Um, And then I realized that I didn't want to be an event manager forever and took a very strong pivot and realized that a lot of my project management skills were actually very strongly versed to leading a a team and leading a business. Mm. Um, So I invested pretty quickly in leveling up some of my leadership. Um, I got some coaching and yeah, took some extra courses and things and stepped up in the business that I was in away from events and into product development and taking care of community and team. Uh, Yeah. And then I stepped up into my big, big job as GM. Yeah. And I did that for a little while and then it was time to fly the coop. And then I did some freelance project consulting sort of stuff for um, teams and products and uh, yeah, program delivery. And now I have three businesses, which which kind of happened. I, I say by accident because I never saw myself as a business owner and entrepreneur. Like I spent years hanging out with business owners and I just couldn't see myself in those shoes. And now I'm in them. I can't imagine not being in them. Yeah. Wow. That's that's powerful. That's a powerful realization. Was that a little bit? That's probably a very long, detailed story, Ben. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's great. No, I'm, again, I'm I'm enjoying it. And so. So just walk us through each of the three businesses. Like, what does each do? Because I think I'd love to ask a question on one that's unplanned. Yeah. So I count one is I still do some freelance consulting. Um, mm. So if you want to book Sammy Yeager to work on a project, I have the luxury of working with only people that I really like and businesses that I really care about. And I'm really great at working with founders who have a really big idea, but they aren't quite clear on how to unpack it. So if I love sitting down with a founder and asking them the 100 questions that they need to identify those first 100 steps and then equipping either their team or outlining what they might need in a team to make that big idea happen. So I still do a little bit of that. And then business number two is um, independent executives where um, we have a talent pool of really talented consultants and coaches who are familiar with the entrepreneurial operating system. And then we place them into businesses who have that seat missing. Yeah. And that's a, it's an incredible way to fill a talent gap at a business level where perhaps the business isn't at a revenue size where they can afford a full-time player at that level, but they need one. So they can have one sort of step in for uh, at a fractional um, level. And then business number three is uh, Fuel Collective, which I have with my husband, where we empower couples to create and keep thriving relationships yeah awesome awesome and and actually my my unplanned question is on business number two because we we use the uh, entrepreneurial operating system or eos i think um people yeah. might also know that as in our own business um 
And did, did you want to give like a little, so a bit of a broad overview on, on what you've seen happen and the transformation you've seen when people have actually, businesses have actually implemented that sort of system? Yeah. So the entrepreneurial operating system was born from this book called Traction by Gino Wickman. Then this book changed my life. I, I literally keep it on my desk every day. Copies <laughs> <laughs> behind you as well. Yeah, yeah. There's copies behind me, <laughs> along with uh, sister book Rocket Fuel, uh, Gino Wickman and Mark C. Winters. But basically, the idea is that every business needs an operating system of some sort, and there's plenty of them, like the scaling up or gazelles or um, whatever you kind of want to want to choose. But Traction is built on a series of tools and ideas that you implement in your business to keep it running on a, a consistent rhythm and pulse. A way to it's a, a way to run your team meetings. It's a way to set your goals for the year. It's a way to have a one sheet plan. What is called like a vision traction organizer. So I've had the very great pleasure of having proximity to a lot of businesses go from not running on any operating system to implementing um, the entrepreneurial operating system tools in their businesses and drastically change the way that they um, they do business. And it frees up founders at a rate that they, it almost leaves them confused. Like how they get, almost get like amnesia. Like how was I possibly operating my business without this before? Yeah. So I'm very lucky that I've had, I've had um, a lot of proximity to the entrepreneurial operating system community here in um, the APAC region. We've got some incredible um, implementers who who help businesses to take those tools and get them embedded in their business. But one of the key roles that we talk about in the entrepreneurial operating system is the integrator. So it's this built on this idea that we have a visionary who's full of full of ideas, not all of them great, some of them great. I think it's like the enemy, your, your newest idea is the worst enemy of your best idea. Like, <laughs> but yeah, we need those visionaries. Like we need the Elon Musk. We need the Steve Jobs. We need the big, big thinkers. But those big thinkers often struggle to, to integrate those ideas across their team to actually get them on, out of their head and into an action or a plan of some sort. Yeah, so um, that integrator is kind of, what you'd probably know as a general manager, they're the person who keeps all of the departments singing and rowing in the same boat at the same time, going in the same direction, and hopefully arriving at the same de- destination at the same time. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's a really integral role. The characteristics of that person are very different to a visionary. And often when a founder has started a business and they've scaled, they've been occupying both seats. And it can be really, really hard for that person who's, if they founded the business, generally more on the visionary side of things to do both. And then they um, do things like run really hard in one direction for one quarter and then they pivot 180 and then they run really, really hard in another direction for the next quarter. And then they change their mind and then they head straight ahead for the next quarter. And then meanwhile, behind them, their leadership team and their wider team and business is just whiplashed and confused because they're not necessarily able to articulate why they've changed direction or that shiny object thing. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So independent executives helps businesses who are running on that entrepreneurial operating system to fill that integrator seat when they aren't, they either aren't ready to have someone in there full time, or they've got someone in there full time who might be either green to leadership or green to the entrepreneurial operating system 
or they're at that sort of tipping point where the they've got an integrator, but that integrator is also head of marketing, also yeah. head of sales, also head of something else so that they need some external support. So we've got, yeah, a, a pool of some really talented people who can slot into those businesses who are really well-versed in those tools and help them really run that entrepreneurial operating system. Fantastic. And yeah, that, that just makes so much sense, uh, what you've done there. Uh, and I could see even sort of some of our clients who, who are looking into the EOS system or people I, I also know. Yeah, that, that's a bit that's hard to find is, is those key people to help. Yeah. Uh, cool. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll have, in the show notes, we'll have links to the, the traction book and, and also um, uh, Sammy's offering there as well around getting, getting that help with uh, the implementation. Um, cool. All righty. Well, yeah, that was a bit of an unplanned one. but um, That's all right. We went there. Yeah. I'd love to dig into your eight tank framework. We spoke just a little bit before we, we went live uh, on it and it mm. sounds exciting, but did you want to... Yeah, let's, let's yeah. start with that relationship stuff. So Fuel Collective was born after I had seen yet another wave of really good mates go through some pretty shitty breakups and, and in some cases divorces. And it was around the time that Nathan and I were celebrating our fifth wedding anniversary that this was kind of all happening in our circle of friends. And some people had got married around the same time as us or a little bit later, and they were separating from what they thought was going to be their forever person. And I'm not talking like one or two, Ben, like we had handfuls of them and it was all kind of this turbulent um, time. And we just, Nathan and I were just looking at each other like we are not even 30 yet and we have more than a handful of friends who are divorcees. Like not, that, that, not to say that there's anything wrong with getting divorced. It was just the sheer volume that was overwhelming. I don't think that people should stay together forever and ever and ever and ever just because they once upon a time thought that was a good decision, things do change. But what we were observing was that either one or both of the people in this relationship had never actually seen a healthy, happy, thriving relationship modeled to them. So they were brought up in a home where they probably didn't want to replicate what their parents had shown them, or they'd never actually even observed, like examined it. And sometimes it was both people in the relationship. So they'd like gone out, met this person stepped into love, committed to doing life with them with actually no idea how to. Yeah. And just on that point, um, something that reminds me of even my own journey and, and I share at our Wealth for Life retreats is, you know, if I have a look at stock take, what I've done in, in terms of years of investment and dollars worth of investment into my career or business, it would be, I think it's sort of coming up to 15 years and that's excluding school. But, you know, there's a lot of time there and hundreds of thousands of dollars into learning and uni and you know, courses, mm. all sorts. It's, it's an, a, a mass of, of investment. And then I, um, at the time, I was actually going through some, um, some struggles with, you know, my wife, Stevie, um, and I, I share this at our, our retreats and workshops. But, um, but one of the things we discovered is, hey, I, I, formal training, I've invested about 20 hours and I think it was you know, 40 bucks and that was for the, the workbook. Mm. Um, doing a marriage course yeah. before we got married. And it was just like, wow, why am I surprised we're here? <laughs> um, yeah. so, so what do we do? How do we fix it? So yeah, tell, tell us, um, tell us your- I think that's, thank you for sharing that, Ben, because I think that it's so blindingly obvious when you, you zoom back out and you're like, oh, I've literally invested no time, no money, no energy in building this 
toolbox of skills. Like I wasn't taught them at school. I wasn't shown them at home. I've met this person and we're just fumbling our way through it. Like it's, if, if you were trying to do that with anything else in your life, like if you just decided you were going to build a house with no skills, no tools in your toolbox, like you wouldn't be surprised if it fell over. Like, yeah. (laughs) So we were observing this and we're like, what, why, what is happening here? And from the out, I mean, admittedly, this is from the outside in, but it often looked like there were things that could have been avoided with either some upskilling in, in relationship skills or some conversations and questions that could have been asked before they entered into the relationship where they just had fundamentally different ideas for what their future was going to look like. And there was no matter how you sort of blended them together, you were going to end up with some version of huge compromise. But yeah, so we started looking around at the, at the market to go, well, what is there? If you found your person that you want to do life with and you've got long-term intent and your stuff's not broken yet, you're in a good place, mm. but you want to build those resilient relationship skills, where do you go? And we really couldn't find anything. We found a lot of stuff for how to date, how to show up well, how to ask good questions, how to get a second date, how to get a third date, that sort of stuff. Um, we found a tiny little slither, which is probably the workbook that you bought, Ben, just before you got married, that yeah. premarital thing, and often is influenced by the church for that premarital kind of count, um, counseling. Terrible name to start with. And it's almost too late. Like you've already made a very big commitment that you're walking down the aisle with this person. There's probably a few things that you want to work out before them. Yeah. 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 And then we found a flood of information and resources for. Um, we've been together a while. The shine is wearing off. We've had kids. Um, our careers are conflicting. Like this is way harder than we ever thought. And when it's not meeting our expectations, what do we do about it? But yeah, there's very little in that preventative relationship education sort of space, just knowing their love language and their attachment style and their communication preference. It's like, how are we going to manage your career and my career? How are we going to do that? And how are we going to draft a a budget or a spending plan? And what do we want our lifestyle to look like when we're 40 or when we're 50 or when we're 60? Then the functional of like, how do we run a household? Who, who, how do we divvy up all of these tasks that we now need to do this week, next week, the week after that, the week after that? And then the complexity of adding maybe some little people to that as well. Which is very complex. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there you go. And, and, yeah. and you know, what you just mentioned there was questions that, um, yeah, I, I just, I've either never asked or, or never thought to ask or, um, yeah, it's just, just crazy. So, mm. Yeah. So we went about unpacking what are the sort of different areas of our, our own life. And like we were, we were already running some of those six frameworks that I kind of mentioned earlier about like, well, planning our year, like mm. well, what when we're planning our year, what are the things that we talk about? What are the things that show up year on year on year? And we ended up with these eight. And this is based on like, we had so many conversations with like friends and um, network and relationship coaches and therapists and stuff. Um, but yeah, so it's yourself, your relationship with yourself, really setting the tone for every other relationship that you have. Yep. So is that your, one of the tanks? Yeah, that's one of the tanks. Tank number two, your romantic relationship. So are you actually taking care of it? Number three, your relationship and network. So how that next sphere of your relationships with your peers, your colleagues, your friends, your family, your humming household, like how is it humming or is it drawing a lot of your energy and time 
to make your household run every week? Your careers and business, um, what opportunities are you looking for and are you creating them? Your wealth and lifestyle, so how are you spending both your time and your money and how do you want to be spending your time and your money? Um, the world, so are you plugged into your purpose or your contribution of, of your time, your energy, your money, your gifts? And then the future, like do you have some sort of plan or conversation for this elusive future? So we kind of have figured out that at any one time, these eight tanks can be any level of empty to full. The intent is not that they're running all on full all of the time. And some of them can run on low to empty for a really long time, but it can burn out. And then it can put a stress on the other tanks um, that need to perform higher or that you're trying to draw from and fill things up. It's kind of like that idea that, you know, if you talk about like, the marketing type of self-care, like take a bubble bath, go shopping, like go for a massage, like those kind of self-care things. Like when really what you need is to sit down and have a robust conversation with a coach about your career, because that's the thing that's actually running on empty. That's the thing that is drawing all of your mental energy and is feeling really hard and heavy. So you're not going to fix that by having a bubble bath. Like, or, you know, you're not, yeah. And if, if your romantic relationship, if every other part of every other tank is great, but your romantic relationship sucks and you haven't been on a date in, you don't know how long, and you haven't had a, a meaningful conversation with your partner um, and you haven't laughed together, like you're going to be pretty unhappy and getting another promotion at work isn't going to fix that. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. And and so take us through what 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 Fuel Collective does. So what what are uh, if you know someone's listening to the the podcast, like how do they interact, or what what opportunities are there to learn more about this? Because yeah, yeah it sounds really cool. So at the very top level, super easy. Um, come and listen to the podcast. We've got the Date Forever podcast where we chat to couples and experts about the tips and tricks they've found to keep a relationship fueled up, and it's kind of that sweet spot of like expert advice and then couples actually sharing what really works like and how they've implemented it so that's one way um, another way is we have a whole heap of freebies on our website it's like lots of checklists and those some of those meeting agendas that i mentioned earlier um, some diagnostic things so that's fuelcollective.com.au forward slash freebies those eight tanks that i mentioned we've got a quiz so there's a 40 point quiz you can go and diagnose how things are because you're probably nailing some stuff, but maybe there's some other things that need some work. So you can take the, the quiz and that's also on the website. And then like in a, in a business sense, we have an online course called Couple and Team, and it's designed to help couples have some conversations that they didn't know that they needed to have. It's totally self-paced and you can have some of these conversations in the privacy of your own home. Yeah, that is awesome. I've just I just actually jumped on the website now and I am blown away with how uh, how much stuff you've got there and how it all connects in. I um I'm so grateful for uh Sounds like you and Stevie needed us a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, you know and I guess if if anyone hasn't got that sort of stuff or that focus in their relationship, it's um it would be you know it's like a, a business without EOS. I couldn't imagine Inspire without EOS. Yeah. <laughs> Similarly, not and- Stuff. I know you're I know you're interviewing me, Ben, but I want to ask you a question. Like, how hard was everything else in your life at the time when your romantic relationship was in pain? Yeah, it was not a good, not a good time. Um, and and even yeah, business was an interesting place. It was still the first few couple of years of 
of Inspire, trying to get that off the ground, which, which you know, was very interesting on its own. Mm. Uh, and, you know, Stevie also had her final year of uni um, with not only just exams and, and practical uh, theory-based stuff, she, she did practical work experience. Yeah, she's a vet, right? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And they've got a, a horrible final year. Mm. Uh, when when you know, on the weekends and everything when they're not studying they're they're out on the thing so anyway no no time hardly any money trying to get the business off the ground um, oh and that career is like notorious for high suicide rates not to mention that <laughs> vet, vet is yeah yeah it's, it's extremely um extremely sad uh and and stevie's had people she went to uni with uh mm. and end up as a statistic there so it's just yeah it's horrible awful so yeah, she, yeah, and and so you know, as and, and did that bit of a stock take on, hey, what what have I what have I invested into this? And mm. uh, um, anyway, we we went away. Actually, how we kicked things off was we went away on a um, uh, what I called our first relationship retreat, um, a couple of hours west of Brisbane, and uh, and just spent some time, um, different frameworks, but um, mm. uh, just spent some time talking. And and actually, the first couple of things we did was um, said sorry to each other stuff we knew we uh we buggered up and also asked for forgiveness and it was a really powerful uh weekend um yeah amazing and and then actually just just on the end of that we set some goals so travel and and you know lifestyle and mm. career all that sort of stuff and you know that in the years after we we traveled to more countries than we had in the rest of our lives yeah uh, uh you know we built a house or all sorts of different things and and um yeah it's it's been good. Not not always perfect, and I think we can learn heaps from from what we shared today. Uh, so, mm. yeah, I I love that Ben. I, and want like we Nathan and I both fundamentally believe that like when we have better relationships, mm. we can create a better world. Because like you just said, you sh- you should you can show up as a better person in your your business or in your career. You can show up with more meaning and more purpose. You can contribute more. It's really hard to do those things when when you and your relationship are in pain. So if I well, I applaud you for doing doing the work and not tossing in the towel. Yeah. Yep. No, thank you. Appreciate that. Mm. So much. All righty. Well, uh, and and so you, you've mentioned your website, uh, fuelcollective.com.au. We'll pop those in the show notes. Is there any other way that we get in touch with you? Or? Yeah. Um, if you want to connect with me personally, I like Instagram is probably my favorite platform. So you can find me Sammy somewhere, Sammy with an I. Yeah. But just reach out, say hello, slide into my DMs, maybe like a little fuel tank. So I know where you, <laughs> you've come from. Um, yeah. And say hello. I'm happy to have a chat um, with anyone about entrepreneurial operating system, about fuel collective, about whatever you like, really. Awesome. Awesome. Well, very grateful for your time today, Sammy. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I hope the audience loves, um, loves what you said as much as I have. Thanks for having me, Ben. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with today's guest, you can find their contact information in the show notes in the podcast section of our website at inspire.business. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support 
for Young Family Small Business Podcast, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and a review. Also, do join our Facebook community. You can find that by going to youngfamilysmallbusiness.com. And if you're interested in speaking with an Inspire accountant, head to inspire.business forward slash chat, where you can book a free 20-minute strategy call. And lastly, to catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on my Instagram, uh, which is the at symbol benwalkerca, or one word, or at inspire underscore accountant. Thanks again, and see you next time.